Welcome to part two of the Data Dive podcast with Logan Kilpatrick. I'm your host, Abraham Cherian, the founder of Data Dive, an international youth-driven organization focused on developing data literacy among the next generation. In this episode, Logan and I discuss the skills he has developed that have empowered his success, how he envisions data science and machine learning evolving, and much more. Are there any fields that you think that machine learning advancements would really empower, like really innovate? I mean, I think machine learning is, is going to end up changing pretty much everything that we do as soon as it's widely available and it's uh, more robustly integrated. But two examples that I'll give you, one of which is I think the entire healthcare and medicine space is, is going to change dramatically in the next 15 years, which is super exciting. So I, I'm, you know, jumping into the space and we'll talk more about that later on, but other companies, just like so much of medicine today is about being reactionary. Like I am sick. I have some physical symptom in my body that I'm experiencing, and then I'm going into the doctor and they're trying to address that. And I think that that's, it's, it's such a fundamentally bad situation to be in that you end up only going to the doctor when you're actually experiencing sort of the effects of some problem in your body. And in reality, what you should really be doing is being pre-screened for all of those things, making sure before it happens, hey, you know, you're at some accelerated risk for, you know, some form of cancer. And, you know, here's how you can actually go and address that. And I think it actually pains me sort of morally to know that we aren't doing that right now, because I think it's a huge opportunity to save people's lives that right now are at risk for something. And, and there's no sort of tools available to them to, to let them know that they're at this risk. So I think the, the healthcare medical space is going to be a huge one. Another one that's completely on the opposite end of the spectrum of this, and it's a company that I was chatting with over the last couple of weeks is a company that actually uses machine learning and artificial intelligence and sort of conversational AI to create sort of more depth to NPCs in video games. So like you can imagine like, you know, Grand Theft Auto, any other game sort of roaming free world game where you're sort of interacting. There's like random people walking around on the street. Um, this company actually uses machine learning and, and AI to dynamically generate like stories and actual user personas for all of the NPCs in video games. So again, it, it gives sort of more depth and texture to some of these things, which we sort of just ignore or write off as part of our ecosystem. And, and again, that you know, the video games is one example, but you can imagine like the, you know, the metaverse that everybody talks about that's, you know, 15 years away from being a reality uh, that, you know, is also, again, another example of sort of where that technology will come into play. And you can see, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see how that sort of dovetails with, with a lot of the metaverse stuff that's happening. But I think it's cool as somebody who, you know, plays video games and, and you know, uses some of that technology, I think it'll be really cool to see how machine learning has an effect in the video game gaming space as well. It'll be cool. Yeah. I mean, I really resonate with your ideas in terms of healthcare. I think there's definitely a huge market in terms of being able to detect these illnesses, you know, quicker, but also being able to couple like physicians with this sort of technology and making it, integrating it into their like everyday work lives, because that's also a huge area. I don't think that's necessarily been completely fulfilled as of yet. Yeah. And, and just to make another point on that, I'm reading this really good book right now called Life Force. And one of the comments that's made in that book is the time it takes for some new technology um, to make it from 
being created to actually being in a physician's office is 17 years. Um, so like, again, all of this technology has existed for a really long time. And, you know, I, this is why go, for me going to the doctor is actually really frustrating. Like I go to the doctor for my, you know, annual physical, they like check my heartbeat and like some other random stuff. And like, 10 minutes later, they're like, yep, you're good to go. You're not dead. You're not in pain. Go like go and we'll see you next year. And, and it's incredible to me because, you know, there's really so much, like I have so much data about my own personal health available to me. Like I have an Apple watch and I, you know, track my sleep every day and, and things like that. And the fact that doctors like don't look at any of that data, just because they probably haven't been trained on like, how to use these tools and how to analyze the, the tools. So I think the sort of next generation of doctors that are being trained right now that understand technology, understand machine learning, will hopefully be able to make use of a lot of this innovation that's happening. And yeah, again, as a user of medical technology, I think it'll be really exciting to have a doctor that can actually help me with, you know, navigate the, the craziness and leverage all the newest technology. It'll be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So from your perspective, what skills or traits do you have that have really empowered your success, whether it be academically in machine learning, or even, you know, building your brand on social media? What skills or traits do you feel are important in achieving career success more broadly? Yeah, so th there's a few things, some of them, I don't know if they're trait, if they're like skills that you can develop or, or just sort of innate traits that people have. But I think for any of the stuff to have success in life, you have to have energy, you have to have uh, sort of the excitement and motivation to go and do things, which I think is a, is a huge piece. You know, everyone knows smart and lazy people. You can't, you're never going to achieve anything if you're smart and lazy. So you need to have that sort of motivation and, and sort of perspiration to go out and do stuff. I think that's a huge piece. Another thing is, and it's sort of in the similar line of thinking as, you know, being motivated to actually do stuff, you need to have the sort of, and I say need for me, what helped me be successful was sort of not thinking about the consequences or the downsides of a lot of the stuff that I do. And not to say that that means I'm going to go rob a bank or something and not think about the consequences, but really sort of the small things in life. Like, you know, I'm going to apply for a hundred jobs. And at the end of the day, if I don't get any of them, I don't really care. Like I'll go in to do 50 interviews. And if they say that I'm not the right person, like that doesn't matter to me um, because, you know, instinctively, I know that I'm capable of doing this work and whether or not I can, you know, show someone that is really sort of a game to me. It's a, it's a challenge of going through the process and seeing whether I can do that. So I think that's another huge thing, you know, taking the initiative, reaching out to people, all of that sort of stuff is, is so important. And it's led again to all of the big opportunities and breaks that I've had in my life has been because of those sort of things that I've done, reaching out to people, you know, being at the right place at the right time. And again, you have to put yourself in that position where you're in the right place at the right time, you know, to sort of leverage an opportunity to your advantage. So those are the really two sort of non-negotiable pieces in my mind. I think there's a lot, you know, you can learn any technical skill. Like anybody can be a machine learning engineer. Anybody can be a data scientist. It's just about going to school and, or using whatever resources are available to you and learning the concept. So there's nothing special there. Um, but again, I think going back to what we talked about before, the innate intellectual curiosity of wanting to learn more stuff, wanting to find out 
you know, all these different things in life, because there's, there's so much to learn. Um, I think that's, you know, the people who I know that are the most successful and for myself, you know, looking at a high level of my own career, that's what's helped me be successful. So those are the, those are the three things. Um, and again, you know, I, some guy who I follow on Twitter, Naval, um, has a really good tweet, which is, you know, people talking about their own success or what got you here is, um, you know, someone telling you the winning lottery numbers that they use to win the lottery. So, you know, this advice might not help somebody because, you know, you could be on a completely different path, a completely different person. There's not only one way to be successful or to find meaning in your life. So, you know, take everything that everybody says with a grain of salt, because it's not always a one-to-one correlation with your own life. One thing that I found like super unique about your progression was like, I remember you talked about this, I think in another podcast, how like you took the AP computer science exam in high school, you didn't do that great. And then you went to community college and then you went to like Harvard. So like, could you talk a little bit about that progression? Cause I think that's very cool. And a lot of people, if they look at someone's LinkedIn, like if they look at your LinkedIn or if they look at all the things you've accomplished, it looks like a picture perfect, you know, resume or whatnot. Right. But like, could you talk about how that, you know, progression sort of happened with you? Yeah, I think this is a, it's a really deep question. And I think, you know, for in my own life, I think sophomore year of high school, I probably realized that I was sort of in that hustle mentality where, you know, I wanted to do all these things, but I was also still juggling. I think, you know, high school is a really, I don't think, you know, people talk about college being difficult. I actually think high school is the, is one of the most difficult, the difficult grades uh, or difficult periods in your life, because you're not intellectually mature. You're not matured as an individual yet. And you have all of these things sort of pulling at your, at your time and your attention in that, you know, you're trying to fit in when make friends, you're trying to, you know, do well in school so that you can go to college and there's all that pressure. There's all that pressure to, you know, be cool and all this stuff. And um, you're also growing and, you know, dealing with all those challenges. So that was, it, it was a, you know, in hindsight, I, I, I feel like I, I was really lucky the way that things turned out, but also I, you know, high school was difficult. I think not academically or any of those things, but just because of all the social challenges of, of being a, an individual and growing and things like that. And I think, again, for me, I had the realization that where I was as far as academics and life, my path um, was not where I wanted to be. And I made the conscious decision of, of not being like, not sort of taking the same path as everybody else. So I think after, you know, I was on a very sort of normal path uh, in high school, you know, I played sports, did okay in school, you know, I, I would have gone to, you know, Purdue or something like that, or the University of Arizona. And I was sort of, again, looking at those options and made the decision that I wanted to do something more. I wanted to sort of take myself to the next level. And I didn't think at the time that those environments were what was going to help me get to the next level. And I was fortunate enough that somebody that my dad was working with, his son actually went to California Community College and ended up uh, transferring to, to go to Berkeley. And that was exactly what I wanted to do. And um, I, you know, had a conversation with him on the phone and sort of learned about the, you know, California has all these cool programs for community college students. So there's actually like a, it's like something like 50, 60 
maybe only 40,000, I don't know, some really large number of uh, students every year go from California community colleges to California or to UC schools. So UCLA, Berkeley, uh, Santa Barbara, all the other schools. Um, so it's really the community college system is a feeder program for the UC schools, which was exactly what I wanted at the time. And again, just put myself in the environment where I, I didn't do anything else besides work towards these goals for a really long time. Like I think when I was at uh, De Anza, I was going to school full time. I was working all day, Saturday, Sunday, and then uh, part of the day Friday at the Apple store doing an internship at NASA part of the time. So just a lot of, a lot of work. And I think that is oftentimes the thing that like a lot of my friends from high school, even now will be like, you know, what, what happened to get you to the point where you were at before to where you're at now. And I think the underappreciated thing is, you know, if you, and it just depends on what you want in life, but if you don't take weekends for, for five years, then, you know, you end up in a very different place than a lot of other people who were your peers five years ago. And it's just because of time and compounding interest and all of those things. And if, again, anybody can make that decision. And for me, I was, I was and am sort of, at least in the present moment, and hopefully I don't burn out and jinx myself, but I'm just built in the way that like that doesn't feel like it's a lot to me. I don't know. Like I, I can just do a bunch of stuff and I, obviously I still take breaks and I still rest and all that sort of stuff, but I can just, I don't know, go longer than, than a lot of people feel is normal. And the other piece as well is that uh, another person who I'm a, who I'm a big fan of, uh, his name's David Goggins. And he says, which I think is definitely true, you know, people only achieve probably 40% of what they're able to. And, and people have this sort of mindset of locking in at 40% and they think that, okay, I'm doing a nine to five job or, oh, I'm a student going to school full-time that this is the maximum that I can do because this is what everybody else is doing. So I, it, you know, there must not be the opportunity for me to do more than this. Um, otherwise everybody else would be doing that too. And I think that that's, you know, as an individual, you really have to find what your limits are and, and push yourself and go out. And I think I continue to do that because again, to me, there's just so much stuff that I want to do that it's more of, it's not about finding my limits. It's just about like, how can I fit more stuff into this small amount of time that I have because there's all these things that I'm interested in. And this goes back to the point of, which maybe we haven't talked about yet actually is doing things that you enjoy is, is one of the most important things. Like for me, it doesn't, you know, I can do stuff seven days a week because it doesn't feel like, you know, it still feels like work sort of, but it doesn't, it's not like painful work. Like there's some work that's really painful. There's some work that's easy to do. Um, and a lot of the things that I do are, are easy to do for me um, in that it doesn't take a lot of sort of mental energy. So uh, that was a lot of different pieces, but hopefully that's, hopefully that's helpful for at least someone. So are you basically saying like in the middle of high school, you sort of like flipped a switch in terms of your mentality or like, Hey, I'm going to go out there and, you know, set my goals sort of higher. Is that sort of what propelled you here? And also did you always have like so many different, like a love for learning and like so many different intellectual interests like you do now? I think I did, but I think again, and you know, there was a bunch of questions there, but I think about the intellectual interests, you know, again, I think the challenge in high school is that you are, you're sort of, or, or just even when you're young, or I think in, in all parts of life, maybe actually your people sort of force you to go into this box of who you are. Like, 
okay, you play sports in high school, like that's who you are. You have to be that person. And then you get caught up as an individual sort of perpetuating this own, you know, this assessment that other people have put onto you. So I think I, I had a really hard time sort of in the beginning parts of high school, having that identity, which I think is something that a lot of people struggle with, that was sort of beyond what other people were prescribing to me. And I think only at the very end of high school that I start to sort of, you know, have the confidence or feel the ability to, to go and sort of do these other things that I was interested in. And it was things like, you know, a, a program called DECA. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's like a marketing and sort of program for students and you like build business plans for companies and like competing competitions and stuff. And that was a, an awesome experience for me. And I think, you know, I didn't do that until senior year just because of, you know, the way that my life was going. So it, it was a switch, but it was also sort of a, a series of events as well that I think gave me the, the freedom to have that intellectual curiosity about so many different things. And then also just I think you only realize a lot of these things in hindsight. Like, I don't think in the moment I was like, oh, I have all these new intellectual curiosities and now I'm going to go do DECA and all this other stuff and computer science stuff. Like, I think I, I can say that looking back, but I think in the moment it still felt that, again, I, I was sort of, you know, being constrained to this one, you know, version or image of myself. Yeah. And I think, so you gave a lot of advice there, but what is some more general advice or maybe some specific pieces of advice you would give to your younger self, perhaps like five or 10 years ago? (laughs) You know what? I, I really think that the struggle in life in general is that, especially when you're younger, is that, you know, you have to be mature, intellectually mature enough to take advice. I think someone could have come up to me and said, Logan, here is the, you know, gold plated path to success. And, you know, all you have to do is these things and you're going to be super successful. I don't think I would have listened. I think that's the problem. And and I don't even know if there's anything that I, that I could have done to have changed the way that I was. And I, I don't think it's just me. I think there's a lot of people when you're young, you just don't want to listen. I think that maybe is even still me today in a lot of sense, but yeah, it, it, it's hard. I think I would have just given myself Again, it's really difficult. I think right now, most of my interests are things that are, again, almost entirely intellectual. And I think back when I was in high school and, you know, growing up, I spent a lot of my time playing sports, which I think probably crafted me into the person that I am today. So it's hard to say that I would tell myself to not do those things because then I wouldn't be the person that I am today. So, but I think Again, I, I spent a lot of time playing sports that I don't play anymore today. And I think if I had invested some of that time into exploring other things that I was interested in, I maybe would have been uh, more well-rounded of a person earlier in life. But again, I think I, I can't change the past. And I think I would uh, I would suggest, again, for, for people, just explore different things. I think that's also why, that's why college exists. And I think, again, a lot of people have the feeling of, you know, you need to go and know what you want to do when you're like six months old or something like that. And, you know, I'm going to be a scientist or an engineer, you know, from a very young age. And I don't think that's the the reality. I think you can, you know, two years ago, I had no idea that now what my job is going to be uh, starting on Monday is going to be what it is. Like, I, I just didn't know that that was even a viable career path or that that field existed or anything like that. So I think it's really it's sort of silly to think that, you know, you've sort of found the, 
you know, thing that you want to do at a really young age without exploring all the stuff that's out there. I think you, you need to give yourself time to do that. Take lots of classes, explore different domains and disciplines that, that are interesting to you. And I think you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but so in terms of like you, you obviously have tons of things on your plate. I mean, I was amazed like about how many things you were doing. So do you feel like you're able to like manage that stress or like be optimistic about things because you genuinely enjoy like love learning all those things or like love, you know, putting your dabbling your toes in all those different areas. Yeah. You know, (laughs) this, it's an interesting question. It might not even be that I, I think my brain at this point is just so trained to execute on things and to, I I also think so at, at a really broad level, one of the problems and challenges that, that I had, you know, in uh, high school and then the beginning part of college was grappling with the reality of going to community college. I think one of the challenges with community college is that people don't think it's good. People, you know, hold it in a low regard. So I had this desire when I was in community college to do things that had a high prestige. So it was, you know, getting an internship at NASA has had a high prestige, getting an internship at Apple, all these other things that I've done uh, to get over that hump of being in community college where I didn't have that sort of um, academic prestige. And I think that is that was a really helpful trait, but I also think that it has its downsides like now today for me. Like I think I've, I've sort of been hardwired to continue to do more and more and more and do all these additional things that sort of uh, check that box in my brain of, okay, building that uh, prestige or that whatever you want to call it, the, the quote unquote success. And Again, that that can be a really helpful skill up to a certain point, and then it sort of inverses, and then you just start going down. A, you know, then you just want more and more and more, and you, you know, it's it's a it becomes a toxic uh, personality trait. So I think it's really hard to sort of walk that fine line. I think that's a lot of the stuff that has pushed me to do all the continue to do all the things that I do is that that desire to want to want to, you know, have success in the things that I do. And then also paired with that, the sort of mental, you know, endurance of, of just working continuously for, you know, the last five or six years and and not taking big amounts of time off and things like that. So I think it's those two things together. And again, I don't think, you know, I don't want to perpetuate the idea that, you know, I just sit at my computer all day and work 14 hours a day. Like that's not the reality. Like I take tons of breaks and, and things like that, but yeah, it's, it's those two things together. And the, the disclaimer is always that, you know, that it, it's not positive to a certain extent. Like it's, it's helped me get a lot of things in life that I've wanted to do, but I think at a certain point it stops being helpful and it's, starts hurting me. Um, and I'll, I'll eventually become burned out if I can't sort of get a grasp on, uh, limiting the amount of things that I, that I do and, and sort of, and stopping myself. So at the time of, uh, this, this recording, you just, yesterday, you just announced that you're leaving Apple, right? And I know you've been hinting at this throughout the podcast, could you give us some insight on your, on your future plans? Yes. So this will be the the exclusive look at it because not not planning to announce anything until Monday. But um, yeah, really excited to be going to a company called Path AI based in Boston. And they're using 
machine learning and deep learning actually to help diagnose cancer in uh, in patients. So very, very much something that I am very interested in. So at Path AI, I'll be leading uh, machine learning and open source advocacy, really helping sort of get the Path AI brand in the machine learning space so that we can get more awesome machine learning engineers onto our team to help us solve this really important problem. Um, So something that I think will be a ton of fun. And again, sort of three years ago, I would never have seen this as an opportunity or something that I would be doing as my full-time job. So it's really interesting. And again, it was another one of those things that right place at the right time, the the CEO reached out to me to actually do a machine learning job. And I looked at their jobs and uh, saw that they had this, you know, senior technology advocate role available. And I was like, actually, this is probably what fits my interests more, went through the process and, and, you know, had an amazing experience. It's a really great group of people. It's a, it's, it was everything I wanted. It's not a super small company. They have 650 people. Um, so it's, uh, it's really exciting. Again, I'm, I'm super stoked. I think it'll be a great opportunity for, for me to learn and also help, uh, path AI on this, uh, on this mission. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Logan. This was super fun. I loved hearing your story about breaking into the machine learning space, your journey in academia, your different internships at Apple and NASA, and of course, hearing about your work with the Julia language. If you like this podcast, make sure to follow us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts and stay tuned for more Data Dive podcast episodes like this one.